are you ready for some football? Stevie content, our motto, Courtney Fallon. We are in the mix on Bad Signal Podcast. Week one is tonight. Week one is tonight. We are kicking things off with the Bills and the Rams in Los Angeles. It is a huge matchup. And thanks to our partners at Better Edge, betteredge.com slash Courtney. Sign up. We can make some bets on that tonight. Steve, this is an interesting one. Because the Bills opened up as a one-point underdog, and now they have moved to a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Rams are home dogs, and I know that you're going all in on the numbers. Like, we're not thinking about – I'm thinking about logic. I'm thinking about the better team here. I'm thinking about, you know, anti-Super Bowl hangover. I just don't think the Rams have got it. I think the Bills could potentially win 14, 15 games this season, as crazy as that sounds. But you're going with all the numbers and the fact that the Rams are home dogs. Yes. Yeah. And I'm also going that Sean McVay is 5-0 and against the spread and outright in week one as a head coach. Um, I'm going with that week one home underdogs in primetime games are 12-4 and against the spread. And underdogs are 5-1 and outright and against the spread on the last six opening Thursday night games. I mean, also, I feel like Yes, I understand the Bills. Like, I know the hype. I get the hype. They're the Super Bowl favorite. Um, I know they made moves. You think maybe they might have to work out some kinks with a new offensive coordinator, though? See, that is the biggest question going into this season. A lot of people are thinking, how concerned are you that Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator instead of Brian Dable that has been with Josh Allen for years and years? Listen, I think that Josh Allen potentially could win, like I said, 15 games for the Bills this year. Depending on injuries, I think that they could be the unstoppable number one seed. I also believe that it's not going to be a factor. Josh Allen is is in a world of his own. If he has the potential to be an MVP candidate, he could be Aaron Rodgers right now. He could be that in that mindset. Josh Allen is in the same mindset as Aaron Rodgers where he's going to walk on the field and if he doesn't like the play, he's just going to change the play. I think he has become an elevated to that like ethereal um, super quarterback level of Patrick Mahomes where he is just like he's he just sees the field in a completely different way. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I do agree with that in a lot of ways. Um, I just I know he's like. He's super talented. Everybody was able to see like everything that he could do in the playoffs last year and throughout last season. Um, I just feel like a lot of disrespect to the Rams giving a guy like Sean McVay the entire offseason to prepare. And the Rams defense, the Rams defense is it's not like they're a bad defense, right? I mean, the, I know the Bills had the best defense in the league last mm-hmm. year. Um, but the Rams aren't exactly a bad defense. You know, you still got a guy named Aaron Donald over there. You still got, you still got some players on that end of the ball. Is he going to, is he going to rip someone's helmet off and and do like a, like a two helmet karate? Maybe that would be, I mean, that would probably, that would probably favor them. If that that happened. I I love, I love how that was such a big deal and so insanely dangerous. And everyone was like, wow, how many games should he be suspended? And it's like, nah, just because it's uh, enjoying practices. Let's brush this off. No one's talking about that now. No, they're like, it's practice. It's fine. Yeah, it's I mean, like also, that. I that's not a guy I want to be messing around with. I mean, besides, like, <laughs> that guy is that guy is built. That guy is chiseled out of stone. It's unbelievable. Um, but no, I don't know. I just feel like the Rams are getting like a lot of disrespect. I know Matt Stafford with the elbow thing. I feel like the Rams have a lot of talent still, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they added Allen Robinson, still have Cooper Cup over there. Cam Akers is actually healthy. Um, this team's this team is still good. They're still defending champs. They're at home on opening night, even though I will say there might not be real fans in LA, but that's besides Whoa. the point. But I'm just I I just I think I think the Rams are going to win this game. I'm just, I'm, I think the Bills coming into this thing, they're a little bit overhyped. And unless Josh Allen's going to come out and just prove me completely wrong here, which he very well can, I just, I like the Rams tonight. I like Sean McVay. I think it's, it's pretty even, to be honest with you. I mean, even the spread tells you it's kind of even two and a two and a half point spread, whatever. There's a, there's a company I've been following, they have a model, like a, a model that says that the Bills will win this game by six points. I don't know how your model knows anything when there hasn't been a game played yet. So I, I don't I don't know how that is is a thing. Um, but 
I like the Rams tonight. That's all I'm saying. I got a, I got a hunch that everybody's going to be on the bills and the Rams are going to win this game. I have this really crazy thought, you know, I mean, since you're such a TikTok guy, yeah, you know, all the TikTok, TikTok you go on TikTok and it's like, when you ask AI, what does the fifth layer of hell look like? And oh like, yeah. Frogs? It's like, when you ask AI, what does a Bill's Super Bowl look like? I just want to, I want to ask, I want to ask artificial intelligence, just like that model. What is going to happen and how they see the Bills winning by six points? Because I will tell you, listen, I know that you say it's pretty evenly matched, and I'll tell you how evenly matched it is. Cooper Cup has scored at least one touchdown in his last six games. Gabe Davis has scored at least one touchdown in his last six games for the Bills. I, I think it could be evenly matched. I also think, what do you think about the total? 52 and a half? I know that that seems like, you know, uh, you know, both teams are just going to go running amok over over each other but uh, you got to think about it if it's what 27 to 24 27 24 is 51 yeah it's still not going to hit the over i think i think i'm going to go over you think i'm going to okay i'm going under i think i'm I'm going to go over um i just i mean it goes against everything i said about the bills working out some kinks on offense but um I don't know. I think that I think they're both actually going to score tonight. Um, okay. Also, I think. I mean, I this might be a a hot take. Like, I don't think the Bills' receiving core is is all that hot outside Diggs. Like, I know Gabriel Davis has touchdowns in six straight games, but would you rather have Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, or would you yeah. rather have? You'd rather have them over Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson? Um, I mean, listen, I'm a huge fan of Allen Robinson. I was a huge fan of Allen Robinson when he was with the Bears. I was a huge fan of him when he went to Jacksonville. Um, it killed me when I saw that he went to the Rams because I was just like, damn, like, why, why, why did the rich have to get richer at this point? Why couldn't he go to the Patriots? Why couldn't he go to some team that he could be a number one wide receiver? But um, I just have a lot more faith in the Bills secondary and the Bills defense than than I do with um with the Rams offense. I think a lot of people are all over the Bills this year and I just think the Rams are going to are feeling some disrespect here being the defending champs. Um I like them tonight, but I do think it's going to be a close game. Spread tells you it's going to be a close game. Spread's only two and a half. Yeah. Um so I I think it'll be tight. I I'd rather go with the Rams than the, the reason I'm going with the Rams is because it's either number. You the, you're just you listen. Just say I'm a numbers guy this week. No, I'm a numbers, I'm a numbers guy, guy this week. I'm riding some trends. They'll all probably go to shit midway through the second quarter, but here we are. <gasps> I have one last stat that I want to give to you that actually favors Stevie content in this one. Over the last ten years, teams that have become bigger favorites in Week One, so the Bills opened up as underdogs and then they moved to a favorite. So teams that have become bigger favorites in week one have gone 32, 51, and two against the spread. That's 39%. Hey, there we go. I'm going to say, I I mean, I come back and say, I told you so, but just, (laughs) just throwing it out there. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy because like last year, even I'm thinking back to last year, I know it has nothing to do with, with this game at all. Cause nobody knows shit until the season starts. Okay. Yeah. Last year, the bucks were like a 14 and a half point favorite against the Cowboys opening night. And they went down to the last possession and the Cowboys ended up winning the NFC East. So, I mean, I, nobody knows anything right yeah. now. Like Vegas yeah. probably has the best gauge on the situation. And even the Rams as a home underdog is still only plus plus one twenty. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like that tonight. I'll take, I'll take my chances. Because See, normally, because normally yeah, yeah. when I first look at it, I'd be like, oh, I'm taking the bills here. Two and a half. Definitely going to take the bills. Field goal game. They win. They cover the spread. Yada, yada, yada. And then I was like, what are you doing? Just go with the Rams. Because normally when I do my first instinct, I lose. So yeah. I, I thought about it and I went, I'm, here we go. <laughs> Steve, how's your fantasy team? Um, how are we doing? How are we doing? I think my team's pretty good, honestly. Okay. Um, so people right. trashing me. People try and trash me in my league because I refused to draft Christian McCaffrey. I think at, he's trash. I just think he's trash. I don't trust him. I had him last year. I don't hurt. trust him. I think he's washed. I think, I think the experiment is far from over. And, and a lot more people fell the same way I did. Cause he fell to like five. Okay. Yeah. But I took Justin Jefferson second overall. Okay. 
it's a PPR wow. league. Wow. I, Justin Jefferson second overall. That's a little, I don't, a little high. I don't I don't trust any of seems a little high. Unless your name is Jonathan Taylor and you're a running back, I don't trust you. That's my take on the situation. Okay. All right. Who I mean, so I have I have Mahomes as my QB. Same. Mike Evans is my wide receiver too. Devonta Smith is my flex. I have George Kittle at tight end. Then I have Javante Williams from Denver, and I have AJ Dillon. And Javante Williams has the potential to be this year's Jonathan Taylor. If he is, if he's close to it, I'm the guy. If he okay. sucks, then you know. Then, then 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 you're gonna have to be selling lemonade in a suit. Then I'm gonna probably I'm have to trade. Yeah, exactly. But then I got my I got Saints defense. I got Bass from the uh, from the uh, Bills. He's going yeah. tonight. And then my bench, I have Ayuk, I have Chris Olave, I have Naheem Hines, I have Jamal Williams, I have Mark Ingram, and Damn. and my backup QB is my favorite interview and soundbite ever. James Winston. Yes. Everyone knows I'm doing underdog fantasy this year. Another sponsor of the Bad Signal podcast. So I'm putting all of my eggs in the pick'em games. I'm focusing on prop bets this year. I'm focusing on underdog fantasy. So I didn't really do like a traditional fantasy team. However, I had a friend who hit me up on Friday night and she's like, Oh, help me, help me. Um, and it's pretty sick. I got Patrick Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor. We had the first overall pick. There you go. Okay. Leonard Fournette, Mike Williams, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson's my tight end. We got a little Ramondre Stevenson, who I think is going to be the, uh, running back number one for the new England Patriots chargers. D Harrison Bucker kicker for the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, we got Gabe Davis, Kareem Hunt, Naeem Hines, Jahan Dotson. That's my uh, my sleeper wide receiver rookie for the uh, Washington Commanders. Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Jarvis Landry, and um, Matthew Stafford on the bench. Which there you go. I might I might have to. I she keeps saying like, oh, what do I do with Stafford? I'm like, drop him. You just sit him until there's a buy. Like I remember when I was in college, I uh, I like tweeted at Matthew Berry. And he like respond. He responded to all yeah. the tweets, and I was like, "Should I play?" It was there was a running back for the Cardinals. I don't even remember who it was at the time. It was him or Javid Best, and it was Javid. Oh my Best. god, do you remember Javid Best when the, and the he Lions? Goes, and he says, right? "Play yeah for the Lions," and he says, wow. "Play the guy from the Cardinals who didn't do bad. He had like seventeen points. Javid Best had like forty eight points." And I was oh, like, I'm never doing this again. Just oh, like, so that he, was, he, that suggested, was who, he suggested the other guy and not yeah, that. Not that he did bad. Um, you know, not that he did bad, but still like 48 but points. Best 48. Javid Best won, like would have won. Javid Best would have won me the friggin' the, the, the game. I lost by like three. Oh God. That's so, miserable. Yeah. So that was bad. So I don't listen to those, but I, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to when people text you about gambling. Oh, they're yeah. like, hey, you all your picks and all they're that. Like, shit, hey, yeah. like, give me the picks for tonight. And I'm like, A, subscribe to my newsletter on Substack. Yeah. Yeah. B, the only re- way I'm giving you a pick is if you don't text me after and be like, oh, like, why did I listen? I'm like, I don't, like, I don't make the decisions here. Yeah. So I'm just giving you analysis. If you, why don't you just do your own analysis? I got an mm-hmm. idea. You do your own analysis. And then figure it out because, like, winning one bet is friggin' hard. So, yeah. I don't want to hear about it. If I like the best people, are like 50, what, 53%, maybe? Yeah, it's 52.8. Sorry, 52.6. I think if you're above there, then then you're winning. Yeah. Because so, technically, I mean, like, but that's that's like in a specific gambling setting where, you know, that 2.6% goes to, goes to the book. There's a bet on FanDuel. It's only like plus eleven hundred for one for a team to go uh, seventeen and zero. Why? That's not gonna, dude. I mean, if you the last time that that happened was nineteen seventy two. It's happened. Oh yeah, well, and then the Patriots. I'm thinking it's happened twice in NFL history. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how hard that is to do? Yeah, no. Also, plus eleven hundred is like they're like baiting people to be like, oh, eleven to one. That's pretty good. That's I mean, that, those odds should be those odds should be even greater. That should be like a hundred thousand. Yeah, it should be a hundred. Yeah, it should be like a hundred to one. It's crazy. Yeah, That's but they want to they want to lower their they want to lower their risk. Yeah, their risk and 
Maybe more. they think the Bills are going to go undefeated. Not tonight. Rams tonight. That's it. Do you want to do you want to give everyone the inspiration of the day and just kind of intro this soundbite for uh, from Jameis Winston, one of the greatest motivational <laughs> speakers of all time? Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, one of the greatest motivational speakers. Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now that if you are using underdog fantasy, you are eating a W. That is Jameis Winston's favorite quote of all time. Underdog fantasy is a sponsor of the Bad Signal podcast. It is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. And we want to get you involved because like I said, I mentioned right at the tail end of my talk with Stevie content that we are going all in on props this season. So we want you to get in with the prize pick'em games. You can win up to 20% of your money in one night. Pick the over-unders on your favorite players' stats to win big. You can pick between two or five players, whatever you feel is going to hit. Think of it like a player parlay. And it's for real money. So listen, this is your chance right now. Log on to underdogfantasy.com. Use the code Courtney to sign up. They will double your deposit up to $100. Listen, I mean, you can just get some free money right there. We want you to get in the game because I'm going to be making these picks all season long. So do that for me. Underdogfantasy.com. Use the code Courtney. And get in with my pick'em games because I am going to lay out a bunch of them for week one. So stay tuned. Keep it locked on the Twitter feed because I will be giving out some major picks over the weekend. Now, without further ado, I bring to you Mike Golick Jr. We do a little happy dance on this Bad Signal Thursday podcast. Oh, we have Mike Golick Jr. It has been a minute, my friend. And I see that you have moved yourself all the way from Connecticut. I'm sure the donut shops in Connecticut really, really miss you all the way over to Manhattan beach. You are turning into the second in command to Ryan Rosillo. I know. I really like at some point I need to send Ryan like a thank you card or maybe a bit of commission because he really blazed a path of bald bearded white men leaving ESPN for the West coast and for the podcast world. So wholly unoriginal as usual, but nonetheless, thankful for the guidance and leadership of Ryan Rosillo. Well, you are living the great life. You have the extravagant bookshelf. Can you grab a random book that you really enjoy? Have you read any of the books? Because my bookshelf that's in my living room, I think I've read Mm -hmm. maybe two out of the 65 books that are that are in there. Let's give you one. Um, so I just I just read this one not too long ago, um, The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury, completely unhinged oh. story about people going and trying to populate Mars. There's a lot of weird social commentary that would have been relevant when this book came out and now and more than anything, you get to just read about weird space people, which is awesome. Okay. Yeah. Ray Bradbury is very good. I, um, you know, I, I, I would look at that book and then I would say, oh, I want to collect them all because of the... Um, the cool typeface on the front. Yes. That's, like, also, that's just my, that's my, I don't read them. I just like to collect them. I will also say for sports fans, the club, one of the best sports books, if not the best sports book I've ever read. It's about the Ooh. formation of the English premier league and English oh. soccer. And what happened with that for football fans. And especially for college football fans, if you want to know about where college football is likely going, this would be a book to read up on because I think there's a ton of parallels between the structure of English soccer, the way it existed for so many years, and the structure of college football and kind of how the world's converging now. Wow, wow. Perfect transition as we have Michael Jr. on the Bad Signal podcast. Listen, college football, as everyone knows, I am a uh, NFL aficionado, but I needed you to come on here to kind of explain certain things that were happening. And I, I, I mean, like, I know that you, we had you on our podcast two years ago. You were one of the very, very first guests. I know that my producer, John, he had, uh, he had mashed up the, uh, the Notre Dame fight song with some of the intros, had some great stories about your dad. But yes, the biggest news in college football right now is that they have aligned themselves in a couple of years to have a 12 team playoff. How big is that for the sport of college football? Or is it a bigger story for the step forward? Or what's the next shoe to fall for these super conferences that we can eventually see down the line? I'll let you take your choice a or B. Yeah, no. So I, I but I think they all kind of work together now because 
we have had major conference realignment in the last two summers. If anyone's missed it, Texas and Oklahoma declared their intention to leave the Big 12 for the SEC, which everyone knows is the dominant college college football conference. And then this summer, you had UCLA and USC do a similar move from the Pac-12 to the Big 10. So it's all shaping up to really be a two-team battle. And Courtney, I think as people have always whispered about around college football, especially in the deep you know, college football internet, this idea of one giant super conference to rule them all has always been in the back of everyone's mind. It's why I say that the Premier League is very informative way to look at this because what it's all about is getting the biggest money and the biggest brands all in one area to play a lot of these high-profile games on a more consistent basis because that's what rates so well. Notre Dame and Ohio State, for example, played week one of this season on ABC. It was a broadcast that drew 10.5 million viewers. It is the second-highest-rated opening weekend college football game in TV history. That is what they're trying to manufacture more of when it comes to conference realignment. And I think the reason that has a chance to work now is because you're getting a larger playoff format that can be a natural sort of flow into that. Because now with 12 teams, in the short term, before we get to that point, everyone else can kind of feel good about where they are because the Pac-12 has been freaking out. You just lost Mm -hmm. your biggest brand in USC. The Big 12 has added some teams, but you lost Texas and bleeping Oklahoma. Now you've got a playoff format that's going to allow for all of those conferences in the new playoff format with 12 teams, you'll have the sixth highest rated conference champions. will get an automatic bid into the college football playoff. So you win your conference, you're one of the six highest rated, you're going to wind up in this thing. So if you are the Pac-12 or the Big 12, you're excited about this because you have a massive leg up over the group of five teams. Think Cincinnati from last year, UCF traditionally, Boise State, these groups that have been trying to make it from the smaller conferences in college football that will still have a shot now. But with this 12-team field, then you've got the automatic bids, and that's where people look at teams like Notre Dame, teams that have maybe struggled to win when they've gotten to the playoff, but because they've got such great brand recognition, because they've been so consistent, will now have an opportunity to do this. So I think in the short term, Courtney, the college football playoff expansion is good for business for those conferences that are wondering where do we fit in in the future where it seems like we've got these two big Titan conferences in the Big Ten and the SEC squaring off. And then as we go forward, I'll be curious to watch how this meshes with the idea of a college football super conference that may be five to ten years away, maybe even on the farther end than that, based on what it's going to take from all of these schools coming together and figuring out a way to split all this money that they're making. Mike, are you happy to have one of your, well, your alma mater in Notre Dame to be kind of that independent school? Or do you feel like you would rather have them be affiliated with the Big Ten? I'm just happy that Maryland and how terrible their football program has been over the last few years. Listen, basketball school aside, I know that they've put a lot of money into that facility and Mike Loxley, and we won't even get into, you know, I mean, hey, listen, Tua Tungabailoa's brother is our our quarterback let's go Um, and i can say you've got maybe the most potent receiver tandem outside of ohio state's wide receiver room in the big 10 went down with a torn acl there i I forget what his name was and this is how bad i am but there was a kid that was going to be like a top wide receiver in the nfl potentially um and he went down with a torn acl they've 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 got some good wide receivers correct yes they do but yes to your point for for notre dame because while maryland and Rutgers had to wake up and feel like someone put money into their bank account (laughs) that didn't belong to them it's still a big coup for all them and that's what everyone always looks at with notre dame they are really in the best position of anyone going forward because when university presidents and conference football college football conference commissioners look at notre dame they just see money Mm -hmm. And money's the only thing that's going to dictate what happens going forward. Playoff expansion is not about better competition for college football. It's about the university presidents looking around and saying, we're leaving money on the table by not expanding this and getting more things going. Those teams moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, Big 12 to the SEC is about money, more money for their member institutions. And with Notre Dame, with the history, with the TV deal, with everything they represent, they just smell like money to whoever's looking in their direction. And so now that you've got that, and now that we do have an expanded playoff on the horizon, now that we know Notre Dame can probably get even more from NBC as far as their TV contract, because they've been the only team with their standalone TV deal, 
All of that leads me to believe Notre Dame's going to be able to remain independent for as long as they damn well want until this thing converges and maybe we have one super conference in the middle of it. But Notre Dame is going to have what they've always wanted. And their athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, has always said, we want a competitive TV deal. We want to make sure that we're getting paid close to what we think we're worth. And we want a real viable path to the championship. And if you've got automatic or if you've got at-large bids for six teams outside of just the conference champions, Notre Dame, if they're 11 and 1, 12 and 0, is obviously going to be in it. But now you're talking about territory where Notre Dame and the kind of schedule they play could probably go 10 and 2 and still be a viable playoff contender in a 12 team field. And that all to me signals they can be pretty comfortable with independence for a while longer. Well, this is all very exciting. I have a question that I've always thought beginning of week one, week zero of college football. Do you believe it would be a better option for? the rankings to come out in week three or week four. Like what's the point of everyone coming out? Oh, the preseason rankings for college football. It's going to be the same. Uh, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, and such and such. Like, oh, don't you think that they should wait a little bit? Absolutely. And remember the college football playoff committee doesn't put out rankings until we get into mid October. Yeah, I know, October. I know. But what, like, what's, what's the point of saying this is, this is who we think we're Right. Oh. TV, TV, TV money, man. It was real nice for them to be able to market Notre Dame and Ohio state as a top five matchup heading into opening weekend to be able to sell number seven, Utah going on the road to play Florida in the swamp. All those things are about drumming up media interest in TV money yeah. and to make those games look sexy for an audience that you're trying to sell it to. Now I'm with you in that the responsible thing competitively would be to wait a little while and actually get a little bit under our belt. Cause you're right. We have an idea talent wise going into every year. Um, but Elliot over at 24 seven sports has something called the blue chip ratio mm -hmm. where based on the quality of recruits that each program brings in over a certain year period, you can whittle down talent wise based on what we've seen historically, which teams in college football have a real chance of actually winning the national championship. And it's only about, I'd say 15 to 20 in any given year. So we kind of know who's good, but if we waited a few weeks, it would probably be much healthier for some of those teams outside of that range. But again, we know that none of this is about competition. All of this is about money. And that's the unfortunate elephant in the room with college football and every sport. Okay. So, so now, because I'm, since I'm, I'm in South Florida and we might have to ask a, uh, you know, a Lincoln Riley USC questions over to you next, but uh, Mario Cristobal and the university of Miami. I mean, we've been talking about this resurgence. Uh, you know, you have to bring a big name down here. It's been a long time coming. It's a homecoming. How good are the Canes going to be this year in the ACC across just nationally? I mean, are they going to make waves? Or are they still a few years away? I think because of the quarterback you have, you've got a definite leg up. Mario Cristobal is about coming in. And I think reestablishing Miami in the area they struggled most during the Manny Diaz era. And that's along the line of scrimmage offensively. Now, defensively, last year was also a huge step back. You lost so much talent from the couple of years prior. First-round NFL talent, especially mm -hmm. along the edges of that defense. I think that's all going to change. You've got a proven commodity as far as coaching up front on the offensive line on that side. Defensively, you reload with some strong guys. Akeem Mesidor transfers in from West Virginia, who I think is one of the best and more underrated defensive linemen in college football. Mm -hmm. And you've got a quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke who – Last season, I called their game against North Carolina State. And Tyler Van Dyke was still kind of early on in his performance in the season. He was in the beginning of that stretch of games with three touchdowns and 300-plus yards that he finished mm -hmm. the season on. And before that game, he came out against an NC State team that had a salty defense that was really competitive in the ACC last year and said, yeah, we beat them by a lot last year. We expect to basically do the same this year. I'm paraphrasing a bit. NC State was ticked because he wasn't on the field for that game playing for Miami last year when all that happened. And all he did was come out and deliver. And all he's done is bring back that bravado that feels very quintessentially Miami. So I think this year, based on what we've seen with Clemson already through week one, where that offense seems like it's just kind of going to be all right yeah. on the backs of a defense that we expect to be really good, I think Miami's going to have a chance. I think they're probably – a year away from getting closer to what they want to be and bringing back the full, 
you know, full-throated view of the U, but they're very live dog in the ACC, especially this year, because everything's kind of topsy-turvy there. Pitt lost a quarterback to the NFL. Mm -hmm. North Carolina lost a quarterback to the NFL. Clemson's not sure if they're going to keep starting DJU or put Clay Klubnik in. They're yeah. five-star, all-everything freshman guy. And so Miami actually looks like the portrait of stability in that area. We'll see how they look against a team that's not Bethune-Cookman, but... <laughs> Ultimately, they have the makings of a group that could do some things this season. That, yes. that is, that's very exciting and uh, music to a lot of people's down here's ears. But I mean, every time, oh God, the Canes are going to win. And I'm like, listen, you're playing Bethune-Cookman. Of course, you're going to win 70 to 13. Okay, coming out in the smoke. Um, a question for our USC. Will Lincoln Riley's impact be felt immediately? Yeah, I, know I think. The offense has improved. What are yes. your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it, it, they're such a live wire on offense right now. Now I have questions about up front and I think the Utah game is going to be really informative for them because mm -hmm. while Utah lost to Florida, they were able to bully them in the trenches on defense. Still Utah got what they wanted in that regard. And a Utah defense that's looking to replace the PAC 12 defensive player of the year and Devin Lloyd who'd graduated to the NFL and some other guys, they got pushed around a little more than they were expected. That's not going to happen with USC. Now, They've got great guys in the back end, too, does Utah. And you're going to need it because, man, you looked at week one, and while I question their ability to protect in certain instances on the edge of that offensive line, mm -hmm. yeah, we saw Caleb Williams getting the ball out to Jordan Addison and all of those great guys in that receiver room. They're going to use the full 53 in the third width of the field, and they're going to scare the hell out of you with those athletes in space. So, yeah, it's already been felt. The way it's injected life into their recruiting has already been felt. They work the transfer portal as hard as anybody going into this season. I I don't think – I still think Utah wins the Pac-12 this year just based on the makeup of that team, even coming off the Florida game. But USC could and should challenge for that this season. That's not completely out of the realm to expect from them in this year's Pac-12. Yeah. Well, speaking of those two teams, USC, Miami, they have the potential to crash the playoff field. So what new team or other new team is going to crash the uh, playoff field like Cincinnati did last year? Yeah, uh, this is the unfortunate part. So I picked Utah to be the team that I thought uh, was going okay. to do that. And it might, you know, they're I still mean, in listen, it. That's a, it's Utah and Texas A&M. I mean, you got, you got a lot yeah. of options there. Yep, and I'm not sure where I'm at on Texas A&M yet. I'm not ready to buy that program. They've got, I mean, them in Miami. You want to talk about the, I call it the money cannon overreaction bowl because both teams injected a lot of cash into their program, especially in the NIL world, if you believe all of the rumors and things that are out there. Yeah. And both fan bases are going to be primed for a meltdown, depending on what happens in that game that's coming up next weekend for college football. But I would look around and say, really, there's only one spot up for grabs because I think based on what we saw week one, I don't believe the people that are doubting Ohio State's offense, despite what we saw, only 21 points in that game against Notre Dame, I think Ohio State's going to be there. I think Alabama's going to be there. And based on what we saw from Georgia week one, I wouldn't be shocked if Bama and Georgia run it back again. And so you're talking about one deck chair left on the Titanic where Clemson's defense, can they will them through the ACC to a good enough record to go and pull that off? Is Utah still capable of doing this in the Pac-12? In the Big 12, what are we going to look at as far as Oklahoma now that Brent Venables has taken over there? That was a team that got off to a good start in a new era this season. And so I think that's really what we're looking at is have some of those teams that have always been the fringe teams. But as far as any true contender to crash this thing, it would probably be USC or Utah for me uh, with Oklahoma maybe on standby for that. Pretty uh, A pretty morbid analogy, the last – the last deck chair on the Titanic. Yes. Well, because you're ultimately, I think, getting fed to the buzzsaw of those teams. It's you got you got a real thick upper crust right now in college football. And the talent that those three programs have amassed in Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia is terrifying to watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm, speaking of Ohio State, I know that this is kind of a strange segue, but we saw pictures on social media of Bronny James in an Ohio State basketball uniform, okay? I mean, which, first of all, I think that he needs to go to college. That would just be the best thing for all for the entire James legacy. It's like LeBron's been toting Ohio State forever. Just, just send your kid there just for one year. But if LeBron played for Ohio State, what position would he play and where would he be an All-American? 
Um, I mean, like outside tight ends. I mean, I know that that's the most predictable thing of all time, but it is, but I think it's the right spot for him. I know that's what he played in high school, uh, at least for a little bit when he was at St. Vincent, St. Mary, but yeah, I would put him at, I would put him at tight end, but I would use him as more of like one of those split out tight ends, the way that people see Mike Gusecki used like that for the mm-hmm. Miami dolphins where yeah. I'm not asking LeBron to block anybody. I want you down there in the red zone run. I want to throw the ball three feet, three feet, above the crossbar and the goalpost and let him go up and get it each and every time. We know he's a guy that can work through contact. He's an incredibly physically gifted player. And so, yeah, he'd be red zone hell on earth. Now, if I'm a defender, I'm trying to put the crown of my helmet directly in his rib cage and seeing if he can breathe after that. But you're probably not going to like the result if you're the opposition there. That's a a world-class athlete, like an all-timer in our generation who – would have made a hell of a receiving tight end. I mean, like, okay, I have kind of like the different side of things and a perspective, which, of course, I want to see him as a tight end. You know that LeBron does play defense, you know? I mean, he's not one of these, like, you know, one-way guys for the uh, in the NBA. Why not put him on the line of scrimmage, two-point, three-point stance, Willie McGinnis-style, edge-rushing over to the quarterback? I mean, like, you got to put that that lean. He's 6'8", 6'8", 240. He is six, eight LeBron doesn't want it in the trenches like that. I, cause LeBron's going to get cut once and all of a sudden have to think for the rest of the game. If I saw LeBron line up on the perimeter, it's the first thing I do. That guy wants to come screaming off the edge. I'm diving right at his quads, right <laughs> at the lower body there. And I am sawing that six, eight frame down. And then we're going to see if he really wants it right now. You throw a couple of double teams at him. You bring the tight end across the line of scrimmage and have him wham the hell out of him. I just, I think LeBron, while again, tough and can work through contact, not built for trench life. Not okay. for trench life. I saw Kevin Durant try and what rush one time oh no, on a guy no. who played in the CFL. He was working out in a gym with him, tried to put a move on him, and Buddy absolutely cuffed him up. So there is a difference. And when you get down there in big boy land, I think that's where it lies. I mean, don't even say anything about Kevin Durant in the football field. I'll just be like, hey man, you just gotta keep that Achilles intact. <laughs> yes, you know, maybe make sure, make sure. I mean, like you want that 99 rating that I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> um mike so uh jim harbaugh at michigan mm-hmm. is he going to be there forever at this rate it certainly seems like he's going to have his run of the place now i will be curious how long the one win over ohio state and the one playoff win can get him because he's calmed down a little bit when jim harbaugh first got there what he's always been known for is being a guy who can kind of put the defibrillators on a program and jolt them back to life, yeah. whether that was Stanford, whether that was the 49ers in the NFL, or this Michigan team. He knows how to jumpstart it. But he's always been a guy that's kind of worn down on people. He's a jackhammer of a personality. And it's the effort enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And it seems like in the last few years, while he's certainly become more vocal off the field in a lot of ways, I think we've seen a little less of the intense rah-rah stuff around the field that might allow him to not grade on administration as much and allow him based off that one win to keep working this thing because Ohio State's still going to be the older brother in this situation going forward I think Ohio State is going to give Michigan a very rude awakening this season in the way that that game goes at the end of the season but Jim Harbaugh's definitely I mean he bet on himself he did the one-year pay cut last season coming off a bad 2020 gambled on himself and made all of Michigan's hopes and dreams come true. I thought he was a coach that, because Ohio State was right there, was always going to be judged in a way that probably wasn't sane. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that won double-digit games the first few seasons. I think three of his first four years in Ann Arbor. That's hard to do consistently in yeah. big-time college football, to have an identity. But we see all the time these programs that are opposite Alabama, these programs that are opposite Ohio State, you're graded on a different curve. And I just – I think this will buy him some time, but eventually if this rivalry becomes one-sided again, if it's competitive, it's one thing. If it becomes one-sided again, then we could see him shown the door at some point down the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all saw the videos of uh, vacation Jim Harbaugh. He's pretty relaxed. I think that he's got a plan. He's the man with the plan for this season. He's willing uh, to raise everyone's babies, apparently, too, is what we also learned about Jim Harbaugh. Is, how is How is Mike Wallach Jr. on vacation? I mean, like, was that similar? Could you find some similarities when you saw, you know, Jim Harbaugh just relaxing, maxing, chilling out cool, drinking a pina colada by the pool? 
That's 100% me. Yes, I'm drunk on vacation. Yeah, you are very, are, you, are you like wake up at 9 a.m., make sure that everyone is drunk as well on vacation? Well, yeah, that's one you got to kind of read the group that you're with, right? If you're on vacation with the family, it might be just a slow sipper throughout the day. If I've managed to rally the guys that I went to college with and try and get one of those group golf outings going on, maybe we let it fly a little bit earlier in the day. You also got to remember, though, like I know I, I don't have the recovery time that I used to back in the day now. I'm wearing my mid-30s on my sleeve, and so that pain hits a little bit different. There is, I will always say, I can mold to whatever the group does on vacation if we want to be a group that goes and does a bunch of stuff and sees a bunch of wherever we're at i can rally up i can get up for that i love seeing things getting immersed in the culture of the area and if we want to just lay by the beach and kind of get comfortably drunk i am more than okay with that too okay that sounds like a plan i i mean like i haven't had very much vacation this summer or you know outside of basketball season but i i look forward to um to seeing another tropical vacation on on deck for you, Michael Jr. I mean, yo, you're right by Catalina Island. You can take uh you can take the boat out there. You can hit up the LA scene. The LA scene is real big with Cabo. You got to do a Cabo trip. I know, I know. You're, really, you're big with the Bachelor too. I I know you know so so you know all about the Cabo that like you know social media, um you know MTV. What was it? Um the Hills. The oh Hills. yeah. See, and this is my thing though, Courtney, and I find this out every year when we go to the Super Bowl. I'm not someone that knows exactly what to do in all those settings. Like everyone's always like, Oh, do you get invited to this party or that? I'm like, no, how do you guys get into all these things? So I just hug up on friends of mine that are much more well-connected. And so I am relying on the kindness of my friends out here in LA to make sure that I can get around to all these spots. They've been good to me so far. I've gotten to expand my little Connecticut horizon out here on the left coast, but we're working on it. Football season is going to make that a little tough right now, but we're going to work on it. Yo, Manhattan Beach is a little far from Trejos Donuts. Trejos Donuts, Ooh. I think, is probably one of the best donuts. It's um, it's the actor. Oh, Danny Trejo. Danny yeah. Trejo, yes. Danny Trejo has, um, I think he has a, a taco place, but his donut shop is in Hollywood, and it's fantastic. I it will is. do. I will drive feels. many great distances for donuts, Courtney. So if you tell me it's great and it's out there, I'll find a way to make a day trip out of it, and I know it'll be well worth it. Oh, uh, so tell me what you're up to now. Podcast? You you know you left ESPN. I mean, you are just like the token guy to have on your network. Are you still a free agent? Or are you kind of tied down to certain things? Because I mean, listen, it is so hard to move across country especially, you know, when, when you leave, leave one position, but, um, I, I'm, sh I'm certain that you have everything under control because you are the man with the plan. And I'm I, so proud of you. So proud. I appreciate that. I am, I am only okay because I have a lot of good people in my corner like you and others. So that's been yeah. very helpful in the transition, but yeah, I'm out here now. I am, uh, so not a free agent, but I, I have the ability to do a lot of things now, which is fun. My day-to-day -day audio, I do the Gojo podcast with DraftKings over there, myself mm -hmm. and my former college teammate, Brandon Newman, who's my producer on the show, who's the other voice that you hear on the show. We're Monday through Friday, five days a week on wherever you get your podcasts. We're on the DraftKings YouTube page under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on there. So people can see and hear us now on that, which is awesome. And then for me, what else is really cool is we talk so much about college football. I was calling games at ESPN for television. I left there and wanted to make sure that I was still going to have the opportunity to be around the sport. And so Learfield, who does a great job as the national radio broadcaster for so much of college football, had my dad in the booth last year, him and Kate Scott, who's now the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. They did a great job last year with college football Saturday nights through Learfield. And both of them went on to other positions. Dad's doing uh, or excuse me, NFL radio for Westwood One now. Mm -hmm. He's going to be on the call for the Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football on radio. They needed two extra people to go in and take their place. And so now I get to call games on radio on Saturday nights. I was in Florida at the Swamp last weekend for the upset. I'm going to, as of the recording of this podcast in week two, going to Oklahoma State, Arizona State's coming into town and they're getting ready to play that oh. one. So it's it's been a ton of fun. I'm in the booth. Sloan Martin, who has done a variety of sports over at the Big Ten, former college basketball player. It, it's been a blast and getting to stay close to that sport is something that I'm always really excited about. That's fantastic. I love to hear those things. Bonus question. Bonus question. Oklahoma State, Arizona State. Is Herm Edwards, is he on the hot seat? 
Is he yeah. going to lose his job at the end of the season? I, that that much I won't go as far to predict, but he is definitely on the hot seat. And I, I love Herm. I got to be Herm's teammate at ESPN for a long yeah. time, and I always saw how passionate he was about trying to get back into coaching. Now, there has been the NCAA probes that are surrounding Arizona State and some of the things that went on recruiting-wise with them during the pandemic. The transfer mm-hmm. portal that really affected this team negatively, Jaden Daniels, their quarterback from the last couple of seasons, now starting for Brian Kelly at LSU. They brought in Emory Jones from Florida. They put up a bunch of points against Northern Arizona in the first game. And Courtney, the wild thing is there's still talent on this team. Along the lines of scrimmage is where Herm has really built this thing. They wanted to bully people in addition to having wide receivers like Brandon Ayuk who have gone on to be NFL players that have been talented guys in that room. So you still see the ways that they could put it together around there, but you just wonder how much all of the noise surrounding the program in the last couple of seasons starts to affect a locker room that is trying to look for things to believe in and reasons to see a path forward for their team. Yeah. Okay. One last bonus question and then I'll let you go. Arch Manning. I know the Texas, the Texas, like is Texas back? I know that we have a lot of questions. Zero draft picks. Um, yeah. during the during the NFL draft last year, I know that it makes all all the um the millions and millions of Division One programs in Texas very happy because you know there's a, such a heated rivalry between all of them, a million of them. Um, what is Arch Manning going to bring to the University of Texas next year? I know he's doing his, his senior senior season this year. I mean, yeah. or is this just a totally overrated pick? No, I mean, listen, everyone was looking at him. And while Arch Manning, everyone's talked about the level of competition that their high school faces, you you see all the signs and you know the pedigree around this player. And all of that's been put on display. He's a huge get not only for Texas in and of himself, but what he's done for the recruiting they've looked at at the wide receiver position. And you Mm -hmm. saw some guys that were followers that committed after Arch Manning laid his name around Texas. The fascinating thing for me is going to be watching how that plays out because now – you always wonder what the situation around NIL dollars are with all these players. It's such a new world that we don't know. We don't know what if this is verified. We all hear things and, you know, hear stuff in the background. But they've got a guy in Quinn Ewers on campus now who's the starter this season. The transfer from Ohio State, who was the number one recruit in the class prior at quarterback, who is an incredible talent in his own right and someone that Texas hopes can get them back. Now they play Alabama this weekend. So we're going to probably have to wait a week for the whole it's back thing to really be back because they're not going to be back against Alabama. But I I just, I I wonder if he'll get there and if he'll be allowed to sit a year, if he'll get the opportunity to sit behind Quinn Ewers, who by the time, if he went through next season and Quinn Ewers was still the starter, he'd be NFL draft eligible. He'd be three years removed from his time in college football. Mm -hmm. And then you could bridge into Arch being your guy for the next couple of seasons. But so much of that is going to be predicated on what that team does this season, how Quinn Ewers looks under center for the Longhorns, because if anything falters and you've got any of the issues that showed up last year for a Texas team that lost to Kansas in embarrassing fashion, you're going to have Arch Manning walking into a situation with more pressure on him than any freshman quarterback in recent memory has had in any given program. And that's even for a guy who has grown up around it in the Manning family and would be as well prepared for that as you could possibly be. There's still always a difference when you're the one standing in the middle of the fire and it would be fascinating to watch, but you would certainly feel for the young man in the middle of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This has been fantastic. I almost wanted to bring up uh, is is Decoldis Crawford's deal with the AC units in uh, in in Nebraska is that not the best NIL deal in college football? It's, it's the in absolute commercial. It's, it's what this was supposed to be all along. Like I'm exactly. so excited to see the creativity that could have always existed because Courtney, we know one thing: there is no more powerful force of creativity known to mankind like local advertisements, whether it's yes. local car dealerships local air conditioning like this is, whatever it is, those local people are ready to go local theater on this thing at any given moment. And now they've got college kids that are willing and able to come collect this paper for it. I freaking love it. I love it. I love it. I just love the commercials. He's like, I'm so glad we went to, we went to Dakotas. Our AC is Dakotas. I think it's not Dakotas. I I mean, he's like, yeah, 
That's a Dakota. He, he, um, just, he just slides right in real casual yeah. after that family's <laughs> wondering why their living room is so warm. Dakota <laughs> is always here to keep you cool under pressure, which uh, I think folks around Nebraska desperately need right now because oh, the temperature absolutely. is rising no. there. Absolutely. It's like, it's like that commercial. There's always like those ads. It's like, yo, your wife is hot. Um, she needs more AC. Yes. I don't exactly. know if that's in LA or here. I mean, I'm just, I feel like that's just like so overplayed. It, it feels like it could be at home on either coast in those spots. You're right. <laughs> oh, Mike Golick Jr. Thank you so much for your time. What, what's your lock of the weekends? I need a lock of the weekend for college football. Just one. Lock of the weekend for college football here. Let me run down because I had had these set aside here. I usually put them out at the end of the week. I will say it's a bit of a homer pick, Courtney, but Notre Dame. I really, yeah, I do think Grant Grant Wells is down for Marshall this week. Notre Dame is 20 point favorites in this one. They're getting all sorts of criticism for the offense not being opened up against Ohio State, even though that was the game plan you needed to win. And so I think they air this out. I think they make some big plays and send a message for the home opener. Notre Dame Stadium is featuring commemorative cups with Marcus Marcus Freeman, their head coach's face all over them. And as a school that now has the most handsome coach in college football, I have to imagine those cups are going to be hoarded like they are the last bit of water on earth after the apocalypse is hit. Uh, is he is he more handsome than Jimmy G? I doubt it. I I think so. I more mean more handsome than Cliff? I see this is where personal preference comes okay, into play. All right, Marcus, I have Marcus is, I have Marcus is a former linebacker. He's got that beef to him. He's got the chest out here. Jimmy G, a little bit this is like the debate in my mind. Marcus Freeman versus Cliff Kingsbury is a lot like the Ryan Gosling versus Ryan Reynolds debate. Oh, Ryan Gosling's yeah. a good looking dude, but he's skinnier. Ryan Reynolds, you think of him in Blade movies and all this stuff where he's jacked and just a man's man covered in the beard. It's 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 okay. a styles make fights matchup. Yeah, you know, I mean you have I have to ask your sister said. I mean, like I feel like that's, that's a, we gotta ask, we gotta ask, we gotta ask uh, the family. Yeah, I can say, got to open this one up to the masses here. But yeah, Notre Dame, very excited to not only have a likable coach, but an extremely handsome one on the sidelines also. Let's just hope he he goes and and wins a whole bunch of games to go along with it too. Excellent. Well, I have to finish off by telling this story is that I had, last time I had you on the podcast, I had a Notre Dame sweatshirt on. A couple of years later, I was uh, walking into uh, a guy's place and he looks at me with these dazed and confused eyes as I'm talking to him. And he's like, what the hell are you wearing? Why are you wearing a Notre Dame sweatshirt in my house? There was only one Catholic school that we abide by. Um, effectively, I had to get rid of the sweatshirt. So I gave it to um, Hall of Famer Ruth Riley Hunter, who has won a national championship in basketball with Notre Dame. Uh, and with uh, the WNBA, she's one of my colleagues. So she's a proud Notre Dame alum. And so it is in good hands. And listen, that's that's one of the goats right there. I grew up with a Ruth Riley poster on my wall in the basement of my home, watched her for years, got to meet her when she was back at Notre Dame Business School not too long ago. She uh, continues to embody everything that is good about that school and a women's basketball program that's one of the best in the country. So I cannot think of a better recipient for that sweatshirt if you indeed were in enemy territory and had to kind of act out of self-preservation. <laughs> Mike, you have a fantastic day. Enjoy the California sunshine. I'm sure that the uh, doom and gloom, or what do they call it? Uh, you know, the fog, the fog has burned, burned off. It's time for a, a nice walk. Absolutely. I'm going to have a go, go have a hot girl walk on the beach. Thanks. Uh, hot girl, yeah. Mental, mental hot walk.